Well, today we're going to preach the gospel. You notice I said we? That says all of us. And I told y'all last time that y'all need to make amends with the first service because they always try to make me lose my voice. And I don't think that y'all made amends with them yet because they try to make me lose my voice again so y'all couldn't hear me. So y'all need to make amends with them, okay? Because every time I come, they just keep making me preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. And I lose my voice. So make amends with them. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you are truth and you're alive. There's no other way to the Father except through you. We ask for revelation today. O glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may grow in the knowledge of you, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open up our minds, that you would renew our minds, that you would calibrate our minds to hear from you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put that scripture up there, that first scripture. My wife sends greetings to all of you. We have a brand new puppy, and she eats, she eats everything, everything. And so, yes, that's what puppies do, apparently. And so she had to stay home with the puppy. She thinks that it's an infant. She sleeps with us. She gets up every two hours and makes sure that she goes to, um, to bed. So Jennifer is actually taking care of the puppy, but she says hello to everyone, and she loves you. So pray for her and the puppy. <clears throat> Amen. A couple months ago, God began to speak to me about communion. And he began to speak to me about the table and what the table represents and what's on the table. And I've been raised in church, and so my whole life, communion was something that, that you just did maybe on Easter. You did on special occasions. And some churches that are amazing, like Pathway, you do it monthly. But then the Spirit began to char- um, challenge me and charge me to go a little bit deeper into communion and into the purpose of communion. And so when he did this, I got on Amazon and I bought what you have right now. Does everyone have their communion? Good. And I just begin to challenge my family and I challenge myself to begin to take communion. And at this time in my life, I'm taking communion anywhere from five times all the way to seven, seven days a week. And some people would think, well, you know, you're really misusing it or you're going to get familiar with it. But what I've learned, the more that I do it, the deeper I go in revelation. Because when you begin to talk about the table of the Lord, you begin to talk about the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. And if the concept of the meal at the table was at the foundations of the earth, reaching all the way through history to we don't even know when, and cleansing mankind of their sins and appeasing God with a sacrifice, then I don't think that's something that we can get used to just by doing it a couple times. Would you agree? And so I want us this morning to begin to tap into a power, into a weapon that I believe that God has given us at the table. 
to a grace and to a mercy that God has given us at the table. Jesus says in Matthew chapter, I believe it's chapter 26 and verse 26, he looks at the disciples and he says, eat this bread that represents my body and drink this cup that represents my blood that ratifies a new covenant. Jesus literally said, I believe it's in Luke. He said that I have desired to eat this meal with you. Think about this. You have a man that is at the end of his life and he has one day, one night to live. And he sits around the table with his closest friends. And he said, do you know how I have longed to eat this meal with you? What is he saying? He says, I have longed to celebrate my body and I've longed to celebrate my blood because my body and my blood is the fulfillment of all law and all prophecy that you've been waiting on. What, what an amazing thing that Jesus did. And then he goes on to say, I love it so much. And I'm so excited that after me and you take this communion, I won't take it again until I bring all my children together. And we all sit at the marriage table of the land and we all do it in unison once again. That's how special it is to him that he's waiting for the bride before he partakes of it again. Phenomenal. So, so Paul wasn't even alive in the time of Jesus. But Paul makes this crazy statement. No, let's, let's not go to that one yet. Let's go to um, the first, um, first Corinthians 11. There we go. Paul makes this crazy statement right here in the beginning. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed... Paul's not even in the time of Jesus. So what is Paul even talking about? Jesus literally came to Paul and spoke of communion. He, could, he spoke, I'm sure, many things. But one thing that Paul thought it was important enough to tell the church is that Jesus, when he came to me, he emphasized to me communion. Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body. Holy Spirit, help us to realize it's more than just bread. It's more than just a ceremony. This is my body, which is given for you. You've got to know that, that the body of Christ is given for you. Now, every time you do this, every time you take this body, I am charging you and challenge you. Remember me in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with blood. The blood of a human man. Just like me, just like you. And as often as you take this blood, do this in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Can you say amen to the scripture? This, this word remember here, 
he emphasizes it right before the body and right before the blood. This word, remember, literally means to make the mind aware. The Spirit of God is challenging the church through these scriptures to make our minds aware, to make our intellect and our thoughts aware of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He is calling the church once again to never forget the message of the gospel. Never forget the message of Jesus Christ. We need to preach more Jesus. We need to pray more Jesus. We need to sing more Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about communion. That's the beautiful thing about the table. Everything comes back to Jesus. You see, our families need to come back to Jesus. Marriages need to come back to Jesus. Sons and daughters need to come back to Jesus. Prophecy must all come back to Jesus. There's an open invitation this morning to come to the table. I live in Dallas and there's places that you have to make reservations for. There's this Brazilian steakhouse that I love to go to. All you can eat protein. That's, that's, a, that's a wonderful concept. I'm sure that person was anointed. All you can eat protein. Just keep bringing it till you make yourself sick. And there's times that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, man, I just want to go there. And I'll get on to make reservations and they're booked. Do you know how disheartened it is for a man to want to go eat all the steak he can eat and it not be offered to him because the tables are booked? That's terrible. Let me relate to you women. It would be like you going in this dress that you've been dreaming of and you going to the store and it no longer being there, okay? Now you can relate. However, there's a table that the Lord has prepared for us with an open invitation and there's always a seat available for you. There is never any rejection at the table of the Lord. Professionals say that the safest place in the home is at the dinner table. Because the kids that we have sent to school, that are in this war zone, the kids that we have sent to school, in this world that is ate up with sexual immorality and impurities, that is attacked on every angle by sin. And when they walk in the door and they sit at the dinner table, all of those things begin to disappear because on one end the father sets and on the other end, the mother sets. And everything that went on in their day and everything that's going on in their mind has to cease at the dinner table. Wow. Everything has to cease. The husband that has been so stressed out throughout the day, the husband that doesn't know how they're gonna pay the next bill and all the bills keep coming in, when he comes in and he sets at the dinner table with all of his family, he begins to remember all of his blessings. And for a momentary time, all that stress and all that anxiety begins to leave.
That mother that has prepared the table, that is slaved in that hot kitchen, baking and cooking and frying, and she serves the table. And then when she sits there at the table and she sees all her kids gather around and they're just feasting. And that husband is so satisfied. All the strain, all the little burns that she got, all that just disappears at the table. So it is with the table of the Lord. When you come to the table of the Lord, all anxiety has to leave. Do you know that there is no anxiety at the table of the Lord? You can bring all your cares, all your worries, all your burdens, and you can lay it at the table of the Lord. Can you put that scripture up there in Matthew 11? Listen to this. Are you tired are you wore out? Are you burned out on a religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live free and lightly. All your burdens, all your heaviness, and all the yokes that the world puts on you, you get to bring to the table and you get to leave it at the table. All fear dies at the table. All hopelessness has to submit at the table. All rejection, all insecurity, all sin has to submit at the table. And you have an open invitation to come to the table this morning. I have a friend that when his son was five years old, he had to make gingerbread cookies in August. If you know anything about gingerbread cookies, you can't buy them at the store in August. That's a holiday thing, right? I, I hear a mom or grandma like really preaching with me right now. Yeah, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Now, there's a process to making these. It takes three to four hours. One of the main ingredients is manassas, and it's real sticky. You gotta, you gotta make these things. You gotta put all the right ingredients in. You gotta put them in the refrigerator, and you have to have the perfect ingredients in order for them to come out right. So my friend, he's at the Ranger game, and his wife's at home, thinking that she'll just throw these gingerbread cookies together. He comes home and he says that the kitchen is like a tornado hit it and just took flour and threw it everywhere. <laughs> he looks at her face and he sees the despair on her face. And he's like, baby, what's wrong? She's like, I, I, I have to make these gingerbread cookies. He has to have them at school tomorrow. And he's like, well, that's okay. When's the, when's the class? Well, the class is at three o'clock tomorrow. Well, that's okay. We'll just make them tomorrow. We'll go to the store. It's late. It's pushing 12 o'clock. We'll go to the store. We'll buy the stuff in the morning. After I drop them off at school, we'll come home and make them and we'll take them back to the school and, school and we'll have them. And mom says, no, you don't understand. I told our son that in the morning when he woke up, there would be a table prepared for him and he would have his cookies and he would have his milk. So this father goes out 
while the son is at home resting in the bed. While the son has no idea what father is doing, the son goes and walks the aisles at Walmart and gets all the ingredients and comes back home and stays up to three, four o'clock in the morning preparing this meal so that when his son gets out of bed, he can come to the table and he can partake of this meal. That's what the father is doing. That's what Jesus did. He prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He prepared a table before us that we may not know exactly what is going on. The storms of life are coming all around us. But at any moment of time, you can go and you can bring your storm. You can bring your heaviness to the table and eat the, the, the meal that the Lord has prepared. The scripture I just quoted in Psalms 23, it says that the Lord has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. In the Bible days, when you would have a guest come over to your home, they only had one door. And it was the front door. And they would set the table up. And the owner of the home would have the guest set at the end of the table. And he would have this big spread set out. Like Thanksgiving, like Christmas, think of that. Why did he set the guests at the other end of the table? The interpretation of the scripture is because that if the enemy came after the guests, the enemy had to come through the owner of the home first. When he prepares a table before us, he sets us at one end. And the enemy that comes into the home of our father, into our home, he has to go through the Lord in order to get to us. There is a table this morning that the Lord has prepared for you that you can bring everything to the table and everything has to submit at the table. The depression that some of you are going through right now, I feel this in my spirit. The hopelessness that some of you are going through right now, there's an invitation for you this morning and he's saying, bring it to my table. Bring the sadness to my table. Do you know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? I, I, I keep messing up. These sin habits, it seems like I keep falling into the same addiction over and over and over. You know how to beat an addiction? You bring it to the table. You know how to beat lies? You bring it to the table. You know how to beat the arrows that the enemy are throwing at us over and over? You bring it to the table. You know how to beat divorce court? You bring it to the table. You don't know what my sons and daughters are going through. I have great fear and great anxiety that they're not going to serve the Lord. I don't know what they're doing at home. I don't know if they're sexually active. I don't know if they're looking at porn. I don't know if they're addicted to drugs. I'm not sure what to do. Bring it to the table. The table that he's prepared for your family this morning. Do you hear me? There's an invitation for every family to come to the table. There's an invitation for every marriage to come to the table this morning. You know what I love about the table? Is everyone is equal at the table. There's no money at the table. 
There's no title at the table. There's no degrees at the table. There's no popularity at the table. It's just sons and daughters at the table. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt of the past at the table. All things are made new at the table. This is the gospel. This is, this is the good news. There's a rest for us today at the table. First Peter 5 and 7, bring all your cares, all your, all your worries, all your anxieties. Bring it to the table. There's a beautiful story in John chapter 4 and the woman at the well. And this story has, has so much of a deeper meaning to me now that I begin to dive into this table and dive into this body and this blood of Jesus. This woman's like a lot of us. Things that we want to hide from. Things that we can't seem to get away from. Jesus tells her, he says, go, go get your husband. She says, I don't, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right, you've had five and the one that you're living with is not even your husband. But you know what Jesus says before he ever even addresses that? He begins to prepare a table for her. The very first thing that Jesus says to her in this story is give me a drink. What is Jesus talking about? I don't believe that he's talking about a drink from the well. Because later on in the story, they try to feed him and he said, I don't need your food. I have food you have, you know not of. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I want a drink of your life. That's the beautiful thing about the table. The table is a heavenly exchange where we bring all of our stuff and give it to him and he takes all of his stuff and gives it to us. He goes on to say, she goes on to say, you tell me you can give me this drink of living water if I know who you are, but you don't even have a bucket or a rope to get water out of this well. What is she saying? She's saying, you don't have what it takes to heal what I'm going on, what's going on inside of me. And Jesus says, listen, those who drink from this well will thirst again, but anyone who drinks from me will have everlasting life. Listen, this table represents every lasting life, eternal life. We can't wrap our minds around that. My wife tells me all the time, you got to stop living in the here and now, and you got to start looking into eternity because there is a living being on the inside of you. That's what the table reminds us of. And as soon as Jesus reveals this table, as soon as Jesus reveals that he's a prophet, as soon as Jesus reveals he's the Messiah, she says, oh, you must be a prophet. What does she do? Immediately, she turns it to religion. And she begins to ask these questions about worship. And Jesus says, hold on. There's no religion at my table. There's no legalism at my table. All I have at my table is relationship. Jesus wants intimacy at the table. Jesus wants to give you an open invitation to live your life from the table. Can you say amen? amen. So, so what's at the table? 
the body and the blood of Jesus is at the table. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 8 and 10. The body and the blood of Jesus. A real man sits at the table. You know what I love about the table? God turns everything to Jesus and everything away from me. Jesus invites Abraham before, when they declare that they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know what Jesus does? They, they come to the earth and before they announce to Abraham, before they get down to business that they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he has a meal with Abraham. All, all about the table once again. One of the greatest sinners in the Bible days would have been a tax collector. Stealing and robbing from their own people. But then you got a chief tax collector in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus. And Jesus is passing through the town. And instead of Jesus looking up and saying, you chief tax collector, you thief, you dirty, dirty sinner. You know what Jesus says? I want to have a meal at the table tonight. Because I know once I get you to the table, you'll confess and you'll turn. And as soon as Jesus goes into his house and they sit down to have a meal, Zacchaeus recognizes what kind of man he is. And he says, would, would you take all this? Can I, can I put it at your table? There's nothing this morning that you cannot bring to the table of Jesus. Let me say that again. It's really simple, really powerful. There is nothing in your life this morning that you cannot bring to the table of Jesus. Jesus covered it all. I said, Jesus covered it all. There is nothing that the blood and the body of Jesus did not say, that's covered, that's covered, that's covered. We cannot become so familiar with the name of Jesus, with the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus. It's not just a story. Listen, I love watching movies, but we have to be really careful because we've been so Hollywoodized, which that's not even a word, that when we read our Bible, we just think that we're looking at Hollywood. This, this is not Hollywood. This is the reality. This is real life. This is really what's going on. This is something that really, really happened. All to prepare a table. Look at this. For Christ said... You did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings or burn offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. Though they were all required by the law of Moses, then Jesus said, look, behold, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Jesus. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. 
You have to really focus on that part right there. Once for all times. What qualifies Jesus to be the perfect high priest? He was unstained. Every man from Adam was born into sin. The bloodline comes from the father. And so every child from Adam was born into sin. That's why Jesus wasn't born of man. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. And tempted in every way, just like me and you. Yet he was unstained, uncompromising with sin. He is the true epitome of what is righteous and what is holy. And he said, man cannot offer the sacrifice. Animals will not do. But my body is the perfect sacrifice. And I'll lay it down so that you can have everlasting life. That's what the table represents. These priests would have to come in and what they had to do first, they had to offer sacrifice for their own sin before they could offer sacrifice for the people. But not Jesus. He was the only one qualified to never have to offer sacrifice for his own sin. Jesus comes preaching this crazy message in John chapter six. Many in the church service that day said, I I don't, I do not understand what you're saying. Don't care what you're saying. I'm out of here. He looks at the disciples. He said, will you also go away? And Peter says, where would I go? You have the words to eternal life. What was Jesus saying? Jesus said, listen, your ancestors, they all ate man in the wilderness. They all ate bread there, but they all died. However, anyone who eats my body, eats my bread, will live forever. And anyone who drinks my blood will live forever. I live because the living Father sent me. And anyone who feeds on me will live forever. This is at the table. Everlasting bread. What? Everlasting bread is at the table? Everlasting bread. Eternal bread is at the table. Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for your sins. Do you know that we were separated from God? You weren't born saved. We don't, we don't do enough to stay saved. It is the body and the blood of Jesus who is the perfect sacrifice for me and for you. Name one storm in your life that can stand against that reality. You can't. Name one season in your life that can stand against that reality. Name one lie, lie in your life that can stand against that reality. Name one sickness in your life that can stand against that reality. Cancer cannot stand against that reality. Diabetes can't stand against that reality. Divorce can't stand against that reality. Addictions cannot stand against that reality. The reality that he really, really is and became the perfect sacrifice. Let's look at, let's look at Isaiah 53. Is this good? All right. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow. 
Anyone ever been through sorrow? He was acquainted with the deepest grief, meaning that there was no grief beyond what he was acquainted with. And, and we, we turned, our, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Anyone ever been rebellious? Come, some of you were just rebellious then. Any of you ever been rebellious? He was pierced for that rebellion. And he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we would be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. The King James says that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement so we could have peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Why would we not want to come to the table? Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful table that he's prepared for us so that we can stand in the presence of an almighty God, blameless, holy, and cleansed, reconciled by the blood of Jesus. And through that blood, God made peace with everything on earth. Oh, what a savior. He took our sickness and he took our infirmities. That's why that we could stand up after worship and, and Pastor Colin could say, you know what? I think there's some people in here with some headaches and some people in here with some neck aches. And I think there's some people in here with some back aches. And you know what? It's affecting your sleep, but that's not the will of God. So come to the table. Amen. There's a story of a family that lived out in California. And they knew that a wildfire was moving close to their land and they were at church one Sunday and as they walked out of the church building, they seen the smoke that was billowing up. And the husband looked at the wife, both of them fear in their eyes and said, that's about to hit our land. They get home as fast as they can. And the first reaction is to go in and get as much stuff as you can from the house. Get your pictures, get your savings, get all your important paperwork, and let's get out of here as soon as possible. But the Spirit of God speaks to this woman and says, when we get to the house, we're going to take communion. And they get to the house, and instead of in a panic gathering all their stuff, they sit down at the table, and they eat the body, and they drink the blood that's offered at the table. And at that moment, the winds begin to shift and it took that fire and burned it in a totally opposite direction. And not one ounce of their land was touched by fire that day. There's always a fourth man in the fire. Do you hear me? There's always a table that when the enemy throws you in a fire, that the fourth man, the sacrifice, the blood, the body of Jesus Christ always stands up and says, I'm in the fire and not one hair on your head will be burned. That's good Pentecost preaching. If I may say so myself. 
Listen, it, it didn't cost Jesus, it didn't cost the Father anything to create the world. But it cost him everything to purchase it back. Everything. First Peter tells us that you were not purchased with gold and silver, but you were purchased with the precious blood of the lamb, the spotless blood of Jesus. The body of Jesus finished it because he was the lamb that was slain at the foundations of the earth. Jesus steps on the scene. John is baptizing people and he looks at his disciples and says, it's the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. This is the table. This is the man. The man. The living person, Jesus Christ. It says that in Romans, it says that God did what the law could not do. With giving his son who came into his own creation and took on the body like us sinners have. And in that body, the Bible says that God condemned and he, and he judged sin in the body and the sacrifice of Jesus so that sin would no longer have its power over man. Wow. That's the table. Can I get some music, please? In the body of Jesus at the table, Jesus destroyed the works of Satan. At the table, the body of Jesus makes all things new. All things are passed away and all things are made new at the table. At the table, there is reconciliation. At the table, he carried our sins so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. Those who come to the table and eat the body, they do away with the life of sin. That's, that's what's so beautiful about the table. It's what it offers us. It offers us freedom and liberty, liberation. It offers us a new life. This table is your weapon. And we can only go in warfare, church, where, where we've already been in intimacy. Let me say that again. You can only go in warfare where you've been in intimacy. The deeper your revelation is, of the body and the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. The deeper your intimacy is and the stronger your sword is. We agree with the body. We agree with the blood. Let's look at Revelations 5 and 9. We need to sing about the blood more. We need to talk about the blood more. We need to drink the wine that represents the juice, that represents the blood in our homes more. Listen to the song of heaven. This is phenomenal. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break it, seal and open it. 
For you are slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, people, and nation. There's not an amount of money that we could come up with that would purchase every tribe, language, and nation. But the blood of Jesus was sufficient to purchase it all. That's crazy. And that's, that's at this table. That you have an open invitation saying, come, come to the table. Listen, there's still power in the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilt and stain. There is power in the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that is still speaking a better word over your life today. The blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness. All the arrows, all the lies that are flying our way, there's a voice that is crying out from the blood of Jesus that is speaking over you today. There's a better word than hopelessness. There's a better word than divorce. There's a better word than despair. There's a better word than depression. There's a better word than sickness. And it's the blood that is speaking it this morning. It's the blood of Jesus that cried out, it is finished. It's the blood of Jesus that justifies us this morning. Listen, it's the blood of Jesus that gives us access into the holies of holies this morning. Do you know the first thing that happened? in the natural when the body and the blood was offered to God the first thing that happened was God ripped the veil from top to bottom removing the separation and bringing access why because he doesn't ever want to be separated from you again and so he prepared a table with the body and with the blood saying no more separation it is the blood of Jesus that justifies this morning it is the blood of Jesus that protects this morning before my kids ever go anywhere, every morning, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. That is my declaration over them. In the Old Testament, when God was trying to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, one of the, the last plague was that an angel of death was going to come through. But all those in the Israelite camp, they took the blood and they put it upon their doorposts. And because when the angel of death came through, he passed over because of the blood. How much more powerful is the blood of the Lamb, the unstained, unstained blood, sinless blood, pure blood, undefiled blood of Jesus Christ over your life, over your marriage, protecting you today. There is power in the blood. Can you stand with me this morning? <laughs>